Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I'm the founder and CEO of Mara Poling, and I'm happy to be with you this week to discuss three topics that are all tied together, and that is debt cover, debt yield, and break-even occupancy. As we've discussed for quite some time, lenders write the biggest check in any transaction and they want to get paid back. So how do they assess risk? Well, debt cover and debt yield are the two most common. And we use a tool called break-even occupancy. And we're going to talk about all three of those this week. As always, if you have any questions or would like to learn more about how we do what we do at Mara Polling, do not hesitate to shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. And do not forget to swing by the Learning Center at marapolling.com. Check out all the great educational content there, including the webinar series that is in place for the balance of 2022, our first session in, um, pardon me, our next session in the lineup is coming up uh, next week. So if you have any questions, go swing by the Learning Center and check that out. Okay, so lenders write the biggest check in any deal. Now, some of you that are building your own portfolios may not use debt, you might do all cash, understood. In general, the overwhelming majority of real estate that is purchased for investment purposes is done so with leverage and leverage that's 60, 65, 70% of purchase, something like that. So the lender is writing the biggest check in the deal and they want to make sure they get paid back. So how do they assess that risk? Well, they look at a lot of different factors, the same factors that we look at when we're making an investment. And again, as we've said previously, we love lenders. We want to understand what they're looking at. If they have a concern about a certain item associated with an investment, we want to understand what that concern is because we share that concern, whatever it might happen to be. So part of what they're looking for, in addition to all the usual factors, is they want to make sure that there's enough money coming in every month to cover the amount of money that has to go out to pay them with some cushion. And that is DSCR or debt service coverage ratio. It's a formula that's very easy to calculate. You take the net operating income and you divide it by the amount of debt service. So let's define those terms a little bit more. So net operating income, revenue comes in, tenants pay rent, they pay other income, amenity fees, parking, application fees, what have you. We subtract all the operating expenses, the property taxes, the staff, the property management fees, uh, the advertising on apartments.com, all those different things get subtracted and we're left with income, the net operating income. That is then divided by the debt service. 
the mortgage payment. Now, the mortgage payment in reality, right, the actual amount we send every month has quite a few parts to it. And it's actually not all of those items that are included. So there's interest on the loan that's paid every month. There's principal, which is paid during the amortizing phases of the project. We may be in an interest only period. However, we calculate debt service based on the amortizing loan payment. So we include principal when we're doing this calculation, even though the period we may be doing the calculation for is an interest only period. We also send generally three other amounts with the principal and interest. We send an amount that goes towards the insurance reserve account for the insurance on the property. We send an amount that goes towards the property tax reserve for the property. And when we send an amount that goes towards the capital improvement reserve for the property. Those items are not included when we're talking about debt service for this definition. So for example, if we had a property where we had $40,000 was our principal and interest payment, and we had net operating income of $40,000, that would be a one-to-one -one ratio. For every dollar of debt service that we had to pay, we would have a dollar of net operating income. And as you can imagine, that doesn't sound very secure. That means that every single dollar that comes in has to go to cover debt service. And any deviation from that means the ability to pay debt service is at risk. So a lender asks for some cushion. How much cushion? All depends. Generally speaking, there are some tiers. The first tier is around 25%. So a 1.25 debt service coverage ratio, which would mean for every dollar of debt service, the lender wants to see a dollar and 25 cents of net operating income. So on our $40,000 debt service, the lender would want to see $50,000 of net operating income. That way, if there's a little bit of movement up and down, there's still enough there to cover the payment on a regular basis so that the lender can have some confidence that whoever is borrowing that money is going to be able to pay that back over time. A couple nuances. Net operating income is often calculated as I described, revenue minus operating expense, and then a subtraction for that amount of money that is set for the capital improvements every month. So if you had $50,000 of net operating income and you also sent $2,000 towards that capital budget, you'd only have 48,000 against the 40,000 in debt service. And you wouldn't be at 1.25, you'd only be at 1.2. You'd be missing the debt cover number. So that's one way it can be calculated. I think generally that's more likely to be seen, but not always. The other thing to keep in mind 
is, as I said, this is calculated based on the amortizing debt service. It is very common for loans to have an interest only period, the first year, two years, three years, five years, in which the payment, the debt service on a monthly basis is purely interest. There's no principal, therefore there's no principal reduction. So the interest payment essentially stays the same Whereas if it was amortizing, you would see the same size payment, but every month more of that would become principal and less would become interest as you move through the amortization schedule. So if you are generating $50,000 of net operating income and there's $40,000 of amortizing debt service, you're at that 1.25 debt service coverage ratio. And if it's in the interest only period, so the early phases of the project, you might not be making a $40,000 payment. You might only be making, say, a $32,000 payment. Well, now I have $18,000 of cash flow above and beyond what I need for uh, debt service. Now I'm above 100, I'm at 150%. So I'm in a very comfortable space. And that's an analysis done for year one. Most projects, certainly the kind of projects we would invest in, and I think many of you are interested in, are value-add projects, meaning that the intent is to invest to grow the revenue stream so that over the first year, two years, three years, revenues grow and net operating income increases which means if I have a debt service coverage ratio of 1.25 in the first year, based on an amortizing loan payment, that I then got some extra cushion because it's only an interest only payment for a few years. And by the end of year one, the end of year two, the end of year three, that NOI will have grown, meaning I will have significantly more coverage and greater comfort for the lender. That's the rationale behind looking at it that way. Now, that makes a lot of sense, I think, to all of us. We might not use those terms, but if we were putting a family budget together and looking at, we want to purchase a new car and the car payment's going to be $500 a month. If that's all we had in the budget, if we could only spend $500, that's probably not a smart decision because in any given month, we might have a challenge that makes us unable to pay the full $500. So we might look for a car payment that would be $400 and that would give us some cushion. That's exactly what the lender is doing here. They just want to have a little cushion. And if they're comfortable with that number, we can have some confidence as well that this project is one where we should be in a position to make those payments over time. So that's one tool that lenders use. Another is called debt yield. It's very similar. And in many ways, these are all tools that look at the same scenario from a slightly different perspective. Ultimately though, assessing the same factors. And that is, the relationship between the risk associated with the debt and the ability of the property to generate sufficient income 
to cover that debt. So debt yield is net operating income that we just defined divided by the loan amount. So again, we have revenue that comes in from all the different sources, tenants and other income and so on. We pay operating expenses. And when we're done, we have net operating income. And in the example we just used, we said we had $50,000 in net operating income for that particular uh, loan. Now that would be for that month. That's a monthly number I'm using right there. So if we were to annualize that, that would mean we have $600,000 in annual net operating income. If we had borrowed $10 million, then we would take 600,000 and divide it by 10 million. And that would say that we have a debt yield of 6%. And a lender will have a range that they would like to see. It might be 6%, it might be 8%, it might be 10%. Now, one of the things you'll note by looking at this is debt yield doesn't have anything to do with interest rates. If I'm borrowing that money at 3%, or if I'm borrowing at 5%, my payment, my debt service would be different, but debt service isn't part of this calculation. This is purely a function of how large the loan is, what the size of the proceeds are. A smaller, lower debt yield, so 6% as an example, will generate a higher loan amount, more loan proceeds. If a lender looked at that and said, ah, that's too rich for us, we want a 10% debt yield, then that would mean they'd only be willing to loan $6 million in that scenario. If you go back and look at debt cover, the same process is going on there, but it's a little different. And it's because it's hidden inside NOI. NOI is ultimately the driver behind the size of the project, the value of the asset. So if you have this $600,000 in NOI, and you were in, for example, a five cap market, that's a $12 million property. So yeah, a $10 million loan is a pretty rich loan on a $12 million purchase. A $6 million loan, that's just 50%. That's going to give you a different number. But the smaller the loan is, the smaller the debt service will be. And that's how the size of the loan, in addition to the interest rate, drives what goes on inside the debt service coverage ratio. Now, some lenders will look at both of these tools. Some will focus more on one than another. Ultimately, they get at the same idea, which is, is the amount of money that's being borrowed at the cost of that money something that can be paid back and paid consistently by the project with a reasonable slash modest amount of risk. We look at it with one additional factor. We have a tool we use 
called break-even occupancy. And break-even occupancy is a pretty simple concept. And that is, this is the minimum level of occupancy that the project can perform at in which sufficient cash is generated to cover all operating expenses, including the debt service and the capital reserve payment that's required by the lender. It does not leave any room for distributions to investors, and it also subordinates any management fees that Mara Polling would charge. We want that break-even occupancy number to be sufficiently low enough that we could withstand a spike in vacancies consistent with a 150% to 200% level of the historic high vacancy. All right, let me unpack that. That's a big mouthful. We're looking at a property and the property has a total vacancy number in the 9% range right now. Pretty decent asset. When we look historically, we see that in the last five years, eight years, 10 years, whatever time frame we have data for, we see that there was a period where it was as high as 14%. Well, we wanna be in a position where we could handle at least, so a minimum, of 21% vacancy, so that's 150% of the 14%, to as much as double that 14 or 28% vacancy. So we'd want to be in a position to have a break-even occupancy that was at least 79%, if not lower, potentially all the way down to 72%. And if we don't have that, if we can't get to that level of break-even occupancy, then we, even though the lender might be comfortable with the level of debt that we're taking on, we might say, let's pull that back. And we would maybe move our uh, loan to value by two or three points, something that would drop the break-even number into the range that we want to achieve. Currently today, our properties are starting out with break-even occupancies that are in the low 70s, even in the high 60s. And that has everything to do with the fact that right now our loan to values on purchases are in the 60s. So lots and lots of room there. Uh, the historic high vacancy typically for a property we would look at is going to be somewhere in the low teens. Um, 12, 13%, something like that. That's generally what the properties we look at look like. So debt cover is a great way for lenders and the most common way you're gonna see lenders assessing the risk of an individual investment. Debt yield is another that you'll see. Both of them are very helpful to understand and should be looked at by an investor making a decision. We look at them if you're building your own portfolio, we would encourage you to look at them. And if you're investing with a sponsor like Mara Polling, this may be a topic you wanna to ask them about, how do they assess risk and manage it? And then we believe that the break-even occupancy tool just adds one additional layer of comfort 
so that we can all sleep well at night knowing that we've put our hard-earned dollars into quality investments that are going to perform well over time. I hope you found this week's session valuable and informative. If you have questions, again, don't hesitate to shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com. And please join us again next week for another episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Polling. <music>